Good to see you. Uh, I, heard a, uh, I heard an old fable. Um, I'm not sure about the truth of this story, uh, but the fable in the story is, uh, is a real thing. So the story I heard, it was about a father who wanted to conduct a test to try and, uh, he was going to conduct a test on his young son to try and figure out what God's will, God's plan for his young son's life was. And uh, so he decided to try out an old Polish fable. He wanted to figure out what's he going to grow up to do with his life. And um, so what he did was, according to this fable, this wives' tale, uh, in Polish tradition, what you do is you place items, randomized items or speculative items, uh, in front of your child and whatever they gravitate toward naturally. So it's supposed to give you like a window into their soul and their personality and, and who they are. So, uh, so you know, it, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but there are people in the room who are experts in that. And so I think maybe there might be something to that. I don't know. Uh, so what he did was he went into his son's bedroom. He's just a young boy, maybe five years old. And uh, he put a Bible in there. And uh, on his bed, he placed a Bible there. He placed a $20 bill next to the Bible, and he put a bottle of whiskey next to the $20 bill. And then he hid in the closet to see what would happen. Uh, I know, this is like deep water, right? Is it nature or is it nurture? I don't know. So his son comes in, he picks up the Bible, and the dad's in the closet looking through the clack, and he's like, oh, he's going to be a pastor. He's going to be a man of God. This is awesome. You know, it's good, good news. And uh, then the son sets the Bible down. And he picks up the $20 bill. He's looking at the $20 bill. And the dad's like, oh, cool. Well, he's going to be a businessman. This, that's great. This is going to be awesome. Then the boy picks up the Bible, puts it under his arm, stuffs the $20 bill in his pocket. And the dad's like, oh, well, maybe a televangelist. Like, it could be worse, right? And, uh, but then the boy grabs a bottle of whiskey, takes a huge swig, takes all three of the items and runs out of the room. And the dad comes out of the closet sort of slumps his way out to the living room and tells his wife, bad news, honey, he's going to be a politician. <laughs> oh, zing. I know, I know. Uh, we've been talking about learning or knowing God's will. Uh, has anybody here, show of hands, have you ever found figuring out God's will to be challenging in your life? Like you're trying to make a decision and you're like, God, what do you want from me? Just tell me what to do. Uh, if only it was that easy. Knowing God's will can be challenging uh, at times. As you probably know already, uh, Brandy and I have had to make a significant decision in our lives. We've been on a journey to try and discern what God's will is for us and what he's leading us toward and what he's up to. And at the end of this month, so after next Sunday, we're going to be joining another ministry to plant a new church. And uh, it's been quite a process getting to the point of making that decision trying to decide where is God leading us. And my hope is, and has been with these last few Sundays that we have together, that you and I can get better at discerning God's will for our own lives and for the lives of our families so that we don't have to rely on Polish wives' tales or things like that, like the father in the story. And so, um, so that's what we've been talking about, understanding God's will for our lives. Years ago, Pastor Rick said something really smart. Uh, he's said many smart things since then, just to be clear. Uh, but what he said on this particular day, I will not forget. He said, when it comes to God's will for your life, where you are is just as good as where you wish you were. That makes sense? Think about that now. 
when it comes to figuring out God's plan for you, where you are is where you are, and God can work from where you are. It's, it's not like you messed up way back then and God was like, well, you're off the path now, good luck. Where you are is just as good as where you wish you were when it comes to God's will for your life. So if you're hoping to get on track for God's plan for your life, I want you to know you can get there from here. Now, you might be in a situation where you're like, yeah, I don't know, where I'm at seems pretty far from where I think God wanted me to go, but what I'm saying is where you are is just as good as where you wish you were. God can get you there from where you are. I understand that we're all born in different circumstances. We all have different obstacles. Certainly, there's a lot of things in life that we can't control, but the reality of our situations is where we are currently, we all are where we are, but where we are is in many ways the product of the decisions we've made that have led us here, right? We all, we're all born into different opportunities and those kinds of things. I get all of that, but I don't think any reasonable person would disagree with the idea that the decisions you make have a significant impact on how your life plays out. We agree? We agree on that? So we all make decisions, and we all make big decisions and small decisions, and sometimes we have to make big decisions based on incomplete information. Now, you ever had to do that before? Uh, sometimes we make big decisions based on incomplete maturity. Uh, this is how people end up with $300,000 of student debt, because uh, that's a big decision for someone to make when they're like a senior in high school. Okay, we all have to make decisions without all the information. We all have to make decisions without all of the experience. At some point, we end up looking back going, man, if I'd have just known then what I know now. You ever had that happen to you? Uh, if I'd have just known then what I know now, I'd have done something totally different. At one of my first jobs, um, should I date myself? Should I not? Okay, this is like around the year 2000, okay? I worked with this guy who was into day trading. He was like an early adopter when buying and selling stocks online was like a brand new thing. He was, he was like an innovator. And uh, so he was really into day trading. And it was like a daily occurrence that he would show up with some like just harebrained idea about like, this company's going to be huge. You got to buy in like Dexatron.com, man. You got to get on the ship early. You know, Rhino.com. It's the next big thing. And I'd just be like, bro, stop. Because then he would just move on a couple days later to something else. Amazon.com. It's going to be huge. And I'd be like, bro, they peddled used books. How huge could it possibly be? But if I'd have known then what I know now, this conversation would be a totally different conversation, right? That happens to all of us. Where we are, right here, where you're at at this moment in your life, and where you'll be in the future will be largely determined by the choices that you make from here, from where you are at this moment. And I want you to know that God has promised to help you make wise decisions. Sometimes for us, I don't know if you do this, I gather information and then I start rolling it around in my head and pretty soon I'm just like doing laps around my own brain with like not getting anywhere. Uh, I just wander around my own mind in confusion at some point. But I want you to know God has promised to help you make wise decisions. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. That's his, that's his promise. If you ask him for wisdom, he will, he will give it to you. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, and this is sort of our key verse today. Uh, it's been the key verse on many Sundays over the years. 
So hopefully you have it committed to memory. It's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Uh, I, hope, I think my daughter was just like mouthing the words because she has it memorized, right? Is that what was happening? Okay. Okay, good. Uh, you weren't making fun of your dad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, God's not the kind of father who just will like throw you off the deep end and say, hey, you figure it out. He's the kind of father who gets in the water with you and says, I've got you. And that's why you can trust in him with all your heart. I want you to know we've all made decisions that if we could do it over again, we'd definitely do things different. But he's not trying to hide from you. His will is knowable. He's actually promised to make your path straight. God is the perfect heavenly dad who loves you and wants to show you clearly a straight path. And he's actually gone to great lengths to make his will knowable. Think of all the things that had to be moved around to arrive at Jesus on the cross. He's gone to great lengths to make his will knowable. He wants to show you the way. In fact, he even wants to make finding his will so painfully obvious that it's a little bit like this sign right here. He actually wants it to be this knowable. The secret nuclear bunker is that way, is that way, <laughs> okay? He wants it to be that obvious for you. If you put it in plain sight, it's not a secret. He's not keeping a secret from you. That's the big idea. He wants to lead you in his plan for your life. So just consider with me the last piece of the sentence. He will make your paths straight. He will make your path straight. Now, what it doesn't say is he's going to carve out this really winding path and you try to figure it out. And if somehow you manage to get to the end, there's a huge chunk of cheese. This doesn't say that. Come on, that's funny. A chunk of cheese at the end of the maze? No, nothing? Okay. He's, he's not setting up like a scavenger hunt that you have to try and figure out in order for him to bless you. It says he will make your path straight. If he's got to knock some things out of the way, apparently he's going to do that. If he's got to clear some things, he's got to clear up some confusion, he's going to set you on a navigable course. So last week, we talked about this phrase, came from Andy Stanley. He said, as the vision for your life gets clearer, the options get fewer and the decision gets easier. The less options you have to choose from, the easier your choices will be. As we understand God's vision for our lives, things that are outside the vision get weeded out of the way, and then we have left only options that are inside the vision. So one of the things I said last week about God's vision for my life, one of the things that I know for sure is God's vision for my life is to get as many people to Jesus as possible. I have to do that. I can't not do that with my life. I know for sure that that's God's vision. Now I know that I need to act accordingly. Okay, so let's just consider a different phrase this week. The more you understand God's providential will and God's moral will, the easier it will be to know God's specific will. Okay, that's sort of a big, big phrase. Now, what's, what, what's that mean? What are those? God's providential will, his moral will, and his specific will. I'm going to just give you kind of my layman's definition. If you go look it up in like a theological dictionary, this isn't what you'll find. Uh, you'll find this, but in much more confusing language. The providential will, that's the stuff he's going to do, whether you cooperate or not. That's the stuff that like, he's not asking anybody's opinion on. He's just decided he's going to do it. Like, how did the earth get here? God just decided. Anybody weigh in on that? I didn't. 
He just decided he was going to do it. Okay? God created the church. He decided that the church would be his agent on the earth. Uh, I don't think anyone else had an opinion about that. He just said, this is how it's going to be. What, what did Jesus say? He said to Peter, you are the rock, and on this rock, I will build my church. He didn't even ask for Peter's approval to be the rock. He just called him. He just said, you're the rock. See? So God decided to do that. Psalm 115.3, which is a favorite verse of mine, um, it says, our God is in heaven. He does what he wants. Uh, your translation might say something like, our God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases, or he does what pleases him. I'm actually very comforted by the fact that God's going to do things, and it doesn't matter if I like it or not. Uh, because if he's waiting for my opinion on everything, then guess who God is? It's me, right? If it comes down to my opinion, and none of you wants that, that's not a good situation for anybody. I'm totally comfortable with the fact that he's going to do what he's going to do. Here's another example, Romans 5, verse 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, we didn't, we didn't make a difference in this, we didn't have any power to do anything, Christ died for the ungodly. When God decided that the time was right, humans had no control over it, he sent his son to die on the cross for, so that our sins could be forgiven. God decided to do that. No one was expecting it to happen that way. He just laid out his plan and he executed it. And the outcome of that, according to Romans 8, 1 and 2 is, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That was all God's idea. He, he just decided, you know what? I see the state of the world. I see the distance between me and humans. I'm going to make a way to close that gap. The Bible says that one day there will be final judgment. And God decided, yes, there's going to be final judgment, but he's going to make a way for that day to be a good day for you. And if there is a time ever in church to say amen, this is that time. Amen. That day is going to be a good day for you. Jesus has paid the bill. How about that? That's amazing. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ because you've been set free from sin and death. How about that? I'm glad God just does things sometimes. I'm glad he just decides to do it. Sending Jesus to make a way for us to escape judgment, that was all him. And to that I say, thank you. Thank you. That was, that was amazing. God's providential will can't be messed up. I'm glad for that, Toph. I'm glad that it's not dependent on me. Uh, there's so many examples of this in the Bible, but I'll give you one. Uh, think about Moses, okay? God went to pretty great lengths, if you know the story, to get Moses, uh, an Israelite. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. God wanted to deliver them, and he went to great lengths to get Moses into Pharaoh's household so that he could grow up in the royal family and then be able to free the Israelites from slavery. But Moses messed it up, because what did he do? He saw an Egyptian guard beating one of the Israelites, and he went out and murdered the guard. Was that inside of God's plan? Clearly not. Clearly it wasn't God's will for Moses to go and murder the guard. But what did God do? Did that mess up the plan? Did God say, well, it looks like you're just going to be in slavery forever? No. He, he made a course correction. Took a little longer. Some other things had to happen. But eventually what happened? Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in spite of the fact that he tried really hard to make a mess of God's plan. God's providential will is going to happen because he decided it's going to happen. 
and no one can change it. And to that I say, thank you. That is such good news, because if there's a way for me to mess it up, history says, you're probably going to find it. You know what I mean? The second type of God's will is his moral will. It's the difference between right and wrong. It's God's standard. Okay, So I just said something a minute ago that should sort of tip you off to what the moral will of God is. Just a minute ago, I said it was outside of God's will for Moses to murder the Egyptian soldier. How do I know that? How do I know that it was outside of God's will? I know that because God has clearly given us a moral standard in the Bible. And what Moses did was clearly outside of that standard. Exodus 20, 13, we refer to it as the sixth commandment. Uh, It's pretty cut and dry. I I don't think you need like a lengthy interpretation of what that verse means. Uh, Don't do that. It's outside of God's will. Now, here's what I find a little intimidating and maybe a little scary or makes me a little trepid is that in the New Testament, you know, Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins, like we're free from sin and death, but he actually raises the standard of the law. In 1 John uh, chapter 3.15, it says that, uh, that the act of murder can actually, it actually happens in the heart way before it ever happens on the outside. It says that if you hate someone, you're actually internally, you're already committing the action. So guess where that puts us? Well, the good news is we're all in the same boat wherever it puts us, right? Jesus raises the standard so high. Think about this one, Matthew 5, 28. He says that a person commits adultery in their heart way before they actually commit it on the outside. So let me ask you something. Do you need to pray about whether or not it's okay for you to hate someone and assassinate their character? Is that something you really need to like fast and pray about to decide if this is okay with God? No, you don't need to pray about it at all. If you're a married person, you don't need to pray about whether it's okay to flirt with that person who's paying special attention to you. You don't need to pray about that. The moral will of God for your marriage is clearly spelled out in Scripture that husband and wife should not only maintain outward fidelity, but also inward fidelity. And then it even raises the standard higher. Ephesians 5 says that husbands and wives should show each other honor out of reverence for Christ. Uh, Wow. Come on, Jesus. Like, bring it down here a little bit. But that's how high God's perfect standard is. Now, that could make you think to yourself, I'm a terrible person. Or it could make you think, how awesome is God that he loves me and forgives me and wants me anyway? That's what it should make you think. Okay, so what do we know about the moral will of God? We know that his moral will is based on his character. And his moral will is not designed just to restrict you. I think that's kind of a place where we all get stuck. We look at the Bible and we see things like there's, there's rules. Like God's just telling me, don't do all of this stuff. But they're actually not designed to restrict you. They're actually designed to show you a straight path to the life that God has for you. And here's what I want you to know about God's specific will for your life, okay? God's specific will for your life will always, 100% of the time, always be inside the bounds of his moral will for your life. He's not going to change his standard because one of us thinks that some immoral thing might make us happier. So if you're contemplating a decision that might take you outside the bounds of his moral will for your life, um, we can clear that up right now. The answer is no. You don't have to contemplate it any longer. If it's outside God's moral will as seen in the Bible, then it's not in his plan for you. It It won't reap good things for you. Now, that's how temptation works, right? It's deceptive. It makes us think that it will. 
be good for us. And all of us have been deceived by it. So like if you're feeling any guilt or condemnation about that, you can stop because we are all guilty of that. We're all guilty of buying into the lie that this thing God said isn't good for me. I, I want to find out for myself. Like we've all bought into that. Okay? But what we can say for sure is that God's specific personal will for our lives will always be inside the boundaries of his moral will. If it's outside God's moral will, as we see in the Bible, it's not his plans. Now, the better we understand and embrace God's providential will and his moral will, the easier it will be to know his specific will, and the easier it will be to make those decisions, uh, those big life choices, sometimes even small life choices. Knowing God's providential will, what he's up to in the grand scheme of things, will help you be sure that you're headed in the right direction. And knowing his moral will will help you establish the boundaries and the guidelines of your journey through life. By the way, those boundaries and guidelines, they actually exist for your protection and your blessing, not for your restriction. I just give you this example. What's a fence for? Keep the stuff you want in, in, and keep the stuff you want out, out, right? Uh, in the same way that the fence around our backyard when our kids were little kept the kids in the fence, it also kept the neighbor's dog out, right? That's what fences are for. And that's exactly what the boundaries God has established for us are for. Keep what he wants in, keep what he doesn't want, what's not good for us out, okay? Knowing those things will help you determine and understand God's personal specific will. Okay, we just waited through all of that because the specific will, God, what do you want from me in my life? That's the part we get hung up on. Uh, that's the part that we're all interested in. God, show me where you want me to go. Show me what to do. Should I take this job? Should I marry that person? Should I go to this college or this college or this college or this college? Should we buy this house or should we stay where we are? You go right down the list, right? We're all making decisions all the time. Those are the decisions people have to make over and over on a daily basis and thousands of others like them that are nowhere in Scripture. Not that helpful. Wouldn't it be great if they just were in Scripture? But they're not there. Okay, so let me give you an example. Uh, I know from Scripture that it is God's sovereign desire for all Christians, including me, to help other people know Jesus. Okay, how do I know that? Uh, well, there's a variety of scriptures that say that. I'll just point to the Great Commission. The last thing Jesus said at the end of Luke's gospel, what did he say to his followers? He said, go into all nations and make disciples of all people. That was his instructions, okay? And there's plenty of other places you can find that in scripture. So we know this is God's sovereign will for those of us who are followers of Christ. Now, as an example of his personal will for me, okay? I know that that's God's will for all of us, but what do I know about me in my situation? Uh, I know that he's given me a particular specific skill set and a particular specific passion, things that I'm reasonably good at. One of them is I can study the Bible and then stand up and tell people what I read and how, you know, how I understand it. Uh, you, by the way, you may have that in your skill set, but everyone has some form of gift mix, so it probably looks totally different for you. Okay, I know that that's God's will for me, and I'm compelled to act accordingly. There's a verse, uh, it's in 1 Peter, uh, I, think I, I think I put it up there on the slide, that talks about all of us using whatever gift we have received to serve others. 
That's, that's true for all of us. Each one should use whatever gift they've received to serve others. Okay, so what does that mean for me in my personal journey, God's personal will? My understanding of God's sovereign will, that he wants Christians to go out and share the good news everywhere they go, and my understanding of the gift that he's given me tells me that I need to uh, do whatever can be done to help as many people know Jesus as possible doing what I know how to do. One of the things I know how to do is plant new churches. In our society, uh, still to this day, one of the most effective ways to help people know Jesus is starting new churches. I happen to have that skill set and that calling, and so that has been my guide in making this decision. It would be great if the Bible said, hey, stay at this church or go start a new one. That would have been even better, uh, but what I do know is that God has equipped me to do this, and he's called me to do this, and so I act accordingly. I believe that this move, partnering with another ministry to plant a new church, affords the best opportunity for me in my situation to help as many people as possible get to Jesus. And so the answer for me is yes. Now, it's easy to get caught sort of agonizing over a decision because we tend to think, what if I choose wrong? What if I make the wrong choice? Am I just going to like totally screw up God's plan for me? Like if I take that job and it was the wrong one, if I marry that person and it's the wrong decision or, you know, whatever, if I do the wrong thing, if I just messed up God's plan for my entire life, um, uh, an example that's maybe a, a bit of a painful example, but happens all the time, so I'll, I'll mention it, is people are... Uh, they're married and they get, you know, 10, 15 years down the road and they're kind of unhappy. This isn't really what I thought it would be. And so their default position is, I married the wrong person. I missed God. I married the wrong person. Now, if you're just operating logically, if you're thinking that, and, and then the, op, op, you know, the obvious sort of logical next step might be, well, I need to take corrective action here, right? I need to, need to unmarry the wrong person. Um, if you put on the wrong shirt, the right decision might be to change your shirt. A uh, little different situation here, though, okay? What I would say is, well, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But whatever reason you had for making that decision, at the time, you made it based on what you knew at the time, okay? It was the right decision in your mind at the time, okay? But you are where you are now. So maybe you were outside the fence of God's will for your life back then, but you are where you are now. What does the Scripture say about where you are now? Now is not the time to go and like try to hit the reset button. Now is the time to say, okay, what is God's sovereign and moral will for where I am right now? If you understand that, God's sovereign and moral will for where you're at right now, then you would know that there are biblical reasons for divorce. Uh, but the fact that it's not going how I want it to, that's not one of them. And the good news is God makes good course corrections. And where you wish you were, you know what? Where you are is just as good. God can get you there from where you are. And if you're in that place, I just want you to know God is in the business of making things new. God is in the business of forgiveness, of redemption, of starting over. He's not in the business of condemnation. Remember we just read a few minutes ago, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. He's in the business of making things new. So what should he do? What should you do from where you are? If you've made a bad decision and it's taken you someplace you want to go, you didn't want to go. What should you do? You should trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
in all your ways, going from where you are, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. The best example, the best illustration I can think of this, there was a theologian uh, named Dallas Willard, brilliant guy. He used this example. Um, he said, you know, he, when, when his kids were little, they would go out and play in the backyard. And he would say, when they were in my backyard, they were in my will. They want to play on the swing set, kick the ball, play in the sandbox. I don't really care. They're in my backyard. They're in my will. The boundaries of the backyard are established. There's a fence around the backyard. Don't go outside the fence. But when you're in the backyard, do you. You do what you want to do. What was important was that they had submitted to the boundaries which were clearly established. Not so much what they did within the boundaries. Such a great example. If you're paralyzed over a big decision, know that when you act in accordance with God's sovereign and moral will, which he spelled out in scripture, not only will you have guardrails to guide you in that decision, but you've also postured yourself to receive more grace than you will ever need if you make a mistake. That's really, really great news. I believe, according to Scripture, that God cares about every detail of your life. So much so. He cares so much about every detail of your life that He's established boundaries for your protection and your blessing. Boundaries are a good thing. And He gave us His Word so that we could know what the boundaries are. He gave us friends, brothers, and sisters in Christ to encourage us along the way. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be our guide. And He gives us grace when we miss the mark sounds like God's really for you. You know what I mean? It sounds like he really wants good things for you. And it all circles back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him, and he'll make your path straight. A straight path sounds like a really good thing. All of it begins with submitting our way on a daily basis to him and letting him make the way. So do this for me. Um, if you're in the middle of making a significant decision or just kind of a transitional time of life, uh, I'm going to pray in just a, a second. And I'd love for you right where you're at just, just to pray specifically about that thing. Uh, if you're going through something difficult that's really weighing on you, uh, I'd love for you to specifically pray about that thing. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to submit it to God. And then we're going to trust him to make a path straight because he said he would. That part's on him. You don't have to worry about that. What we have to do is just submit it to him. Um, one of the ways that makes that easier for me, you know, I like to control things, uh, is when I remind myself that, guess what? God's God and I'm me. Uh, I'm actually not that good at controlling the situation. So Lord, we come to you right now with our burdens. You said that we should cast our cares on you because you care for us. And you said that when we do that, your peace would guide us. So Lord, right now, with our pain points, with our decisions, with the stress of our lives, with the things that are weighing on us, Lord, we submit it to you. You be the guide. You lead the way. You make the path. Lord, I pray that you would give each of us wisdom and resolve not to pick it up again not to try and grab the wheel out of your hands, but just to submit to you on an ongoing basis. Thank you for your love, for your care. Thank you for the boundaries you have established for our protection and our blessing. We submit to those now in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Rick.